When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Happy Monday and happy Halloween from the Tech Sideline family. I'm Giovanni Heater, joined alongside Jack Brizen dying today. He makes his TSL Today debut. Speaking of TSL Today, it's a Halloween. It's a Monday. We're going to get things going right now. on Monday, October 31st. We come to you this afternoon from the Corporate Research Center in Blacksburg, Virginia. Again, I'm Giovanni Heater, joined alongside Jack Brizendine. And, well, Jack, there's not a lot of news and updates to go over. We talked pretty much at nauseum about Virginia Tech football's loss on Thursday night in Raleigh to the NC State Wolfpack. So we figure, why not take this opportunity to talk Virginia Tech wrestling? Jack comes at us. He is our pretty much our executive, our, our uh, feature writer on Virginia Tech wrestling wrestling knows everything about the Hokies on the mat. Jack, I know there's an inner squad scrimmage this past weekend. You were in attendance. What did you see that really stood out to you from this inner squad scrimmage? Yeah, I think a lot of the young guys really stood out. Um, you look at guys like Tom Crook and Caleb Henson. Uh, both had really, really good matches, really good performances for two freshmen. Uh, Tom Crook took down Colin Girardi, who's a fifth-year senior, so really impressive win from him as a true freshman. And Caleb Henson looked really good. Uh, had a major decision win over Kyle Montgomery, who's another upperclassman. So a lot to like from these younger guys. Uh, got to see a couple guys that are fan favorites. Obviously, Bryce Andonian, uh, Sam Latona, they showed what you would expect. Had pretty good matches. Uh, Hunter Bowen looked great. Uh, Hunter Katko looked really good. Got the only pin of the uh, scrimmage over Alex Rosenbaum in only 34 seconds. So uh, all the rave reviews you've heard about Katka in the offseason proved to have been warranted. Uh, but yeah, well, it was a pretty encouraging scrimmage, and it showed just how competitive a lot of these guys are. Now, for those that uh, may be wondering, Makai Lewis did not wrestle uh, in the inter-squad scrimmage. Jack, what do you think the reason behind that truly is? I don't really want to speculate on it. I think it's probably just because there's no need. I think everyone can kind of understand what they're getting with Makai. Uh, he's had injury issues in the past, so there's not really any need to throw him out there in a scrimmage. Yeah. I think... Everyone who's watched Makai wrestle before and knows who he is as a wrestler knows he'll be prepared for the year. All right, well, Virginia Tech comes into this 2022-2023 uh, campaign ranked 15th in the country. Um, a situation where last year they had a pretty good season and were just so close to pulling off some big wins. Close loss to Ohio State and Blacksburg. Uh, a lot of opportunities ahead for the Hokies in 2022. So when you take a look at this schedule, I mean, it is loaded. You got to go on the road in Columbus to play Ohio State after the Southeast Open. That's on uh, Friday, November 11th. Uh, and then you got to play Missouri, who's in the top 25. Cornell ranks sixth in the country. That's going to be the match at the Moss Art Center. NC State, I mean, the ACC is loaded. And NC State, you got to wrestle against North Carolina, Pittsburgh. Virginia's pretty decent. It does, definitely does not get easy for Virginia Tech uh, in this season's campaign. No, and I think that that's by design. You know, I talked to head coach Tony Roby about the difficulty of the schedule, and he kind of talked about how these matches are important because these are some of the best wrestlers in the country, and those are the kind of guys you're going to face down the line um, when you're wrestling in the NCAA tournament and you're competing for national titles. So uh, it was kind of a strategy, I guess, to 
bring these tough matches on the schedule. And also, a lot of these matches are at home. If you look at Missouri, you look at Cornell and Moss, you've got um, another one, uh, NC State at home. I mean, these are good, high-quality matches. And that was another thing uh, to sort of reward the fan base because these are high-quality wrestling matches. I mean, these are some of the featured matches of the year, um, I think, in my opinion. All right, so when you go through the weight classes here in the different rankings, uh, in at 174 is Makai Lewis right behind uh, Carter Starosi, who took him down in the uh, national championship just a year ago. So Makai ranks second in the country in the 174 weight class. Uh, and then you, when, you, when you drop down to a couple different weight classes, there's also some Hokies who find themselves uh, not only in the top 25, but as high as number six in the country. Yeah, and that's what you're going to expect with Virginia Tech. I mean, with Makai being behind Sirachi, I mean, we all kind of saw how close those guys are. Sirachi beat him out in overtime, so it wasn't yeah. like he's that much better than Makai. Um, so the, the rankings are kind of arbitrary. It is kind of nice to see guys, um, especially guys moving up to new weight classes in pretty pretty high rankings. Um, you got Bryson Donian, who's moving up to 157 this year. He's ranked number six at 157, which is pretty impressive. And then you've got... A guy like Sam Latona went up from 125 to 133, and he's currently sitting at 13 at 133. So, you know, there's a lot of talent in this room, and I don't earn that team. And I don't think that, you know, guys moving up has really changed that. I think um, these rankings sort of reflect the idea that I think a lot of people in the wrestling world have is that Virginia Tech's got a very deep lineup that's loaded with a lot of young stars. You look at this schedule. Where do you think the toughest match uh, for Virginia Tech is? Is that is it that early match against Ohio State, or does it wait until Cornell or even into ACC play? You know, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on that Ohio State match just because of the way uh, last year's Ohio State match ended. Uh, Nathan Traxler, a heavyweight who's now gone, coming on to graduate, uh, wasn't able to win his final match, and that's ended up being the. Uh, the deciding factor in that match in Virginia Tech loss. So I think a lot of people will be looking at that. Ohio State's currently ranked four, so that's a big trip to uh, Columbus for, for the Hokies. Um, but I would say Cornell will be another big one. Cornell is a historically good wrestling school, so that one in Moss will be a big match. But I think the one that everyone's thinking about is NC State. Um, I know there has been a lot of controversy with that rivalry over the last year or two. Um, so I think people will be excited to see that. And I think Virginia Tech as of right now, might have a little bit of a stronger roster than NC State, which I don't know that you could say that in years past. So that'll be a big match for them, and it's it's basically going to be for the ACC, So as it is every year. So that'll be a big one to watch. If you had to pick a victor in the ACC right now, out of probably, you know, Pitt's in that conversation, obviously NC State, obviously Virginia Tech, UNC is there, Virginia, uh, you can't sleep on the Cavaliers. Who do you got coming out of the top of the Atlantic Coast Conference? I really do think it's Virginia Tech. I think um, with NC State, I think it's almost been like a pendulum the last couple of years between Virginia Tech and NC State as far as who's on top in the ACC. And based on that way of thinking, Virginia Tech would be next. Um, but I also think that, you know, this roster is good. And I think there's a lot of people that don't know. Or there's a lot of players on this roster or wrestlers that people just haven't seen yet. Um, and I think Saturday's scrimmage gave them the first taste of some of these young guys. And I don't think that nationally people understand just how good these guys are. Like, we'll have Caleb Henson wrestling at 149. And I don't think people really understand how good he is. Uh, but I think Saturday proved sort of how good these young guys are. You got Eddie Ventresca and and um, Cooper Flynn at 125. Like, these are guys that will be able to compete with some of these high-caliber ACC wrestlers. And people might just not know it yet, which is why I think Virginia Tech might be ranked a little bit lower than uh, a school like NC State. But I think 
if I had to pick right now, I think they'd come out on top. And in your eyes, is Virginia Tech a true national championship contender? And I'll kind of double-edged sword that. If they're not a team national championship contender, is there a guy or maybe even two on this roster that certainly can win an individual title? Yeah, I think obviously you got to go with Makai. Yeah, uh, came up just short last year. Uh, wasn't I mean it was pretty much neck and neck till at the end. So Makai's always one to watch. I think he'll um he'll be even more focused this year. So he's he's definitely someone that could be in that conversation. I think another dark horse candidate could be Bryce Andonian. Uh, you know Andonian finished third at last year's NCAA tournament at one forty nine. Like I mentioned before, is moving up to one fifty seven. Uh, so if there's always some sort of mystery when you're moving up weight classes, but I have confidence he'll probably continue his his dominance up there. Um, but as far as team, you know, Penn State's got a really good team, and it's kind of everyone against them at this point. Right. And there isn't really much drop-off between last year's team for Penn State and this year. So it's going to be tough, but I think Virginia Tech will be uh, at least within the top five as really? far as teams. Yeah, I think there's reason to believe that that's, that's a realistic expectation for Tony Irby's squad this year. Let's flip the script and uh, talk a little bit of uh, Virginia Tech wrestling recruiting. Uh, just picked up a huge commit in Jimmy Mullen. He's the uh, number eight overall uh, recruit in his class. He's also the number one overall heavyweight in his class, and he's also going to play a little bit of Virginia Tech uh, defensive end on the football side of things as well. Uh, what have you seen out of Jimmy Mullen and, and the rest of this recruiting class as far as Virginia Tech trying to reload? You know, this is Makai Lewis's last year, right? Mm-hmm. So so there's some spots that you have to fill. Yeah, I think with Jimmy Mullen, he kind of encapsulates just how how well Tony Roby's staff's been able to recruit. I mean, he's the number one heavyweight in America for the class of 2023. In addition to him for the class of 2023, you've got Mac Church, who's the second uh, overall at 138. You've got Hunter Mason, who's number four overall at 138. You've got Logan Frazier, who's the number best 128-pound wrestler in Indiana for that class. I think just overall, uh, I think people have started to take notice of Virginia Tech's recent success in wrestling. Or not recent, but just sort of the the constant uh, increase in success for Virginia Tech wrestling. And I think it's been reflected in recruiting. I think I don't think you get these guys if they don't believe that this is a program that can develop them and really turn them into that All-American potential national champion status. And, you know, I think Virginia Tech's at a point where I don't want to say that being the best in your state isn't good enough, but I think uh, the Hokies kind of look at and see they're in a point now where you can kind of look and see who are the top guys at each position nationally. And you've got a chance to go get those guys, which I think is a reflection of just how much the program's grown. And I think you see it with guys like Jimmy Mullen committing. No doubt about it. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our Virginia Tech Wrestling 2022-2023 preview. Jack, again, is our insider for Virginia Tech Wrestling, so he'll certainly be covering the Hokies all the way through in uh, their 2022-2023 campaign. He'll be on the road. He'll go to uh, the ACC tournament, everything like that. So plenty of good articles coming out on Virginia Tech Wrestling right here at Tech Sideline for Jack Brizendine. Uh, Next up, we're going to have David Cunningham on. we got a little bit of a treat for you this Halloween, and we're going to talk some Virginia Tech basketball. Virginia Tech Wrestling opens things up with the Southeast Open on Saturday, November 5th to start out their season in Salem. After that, they go on the road to face Ohio State in Columbus. We'll be back. It's TSL Today on a Halloween Monday from Blacksburg. Happy Halloween from TSL. Thanks so much for being with us today on your Halloween Monday. Again, Giovanni Heater. This time sitting across from me, we uh, sub out Jack Brizendine and we got David Cunningham with us. David, thanks so much uh, for being on. We're going to talk some Virginia Tech basketball, but first we wanted to have a little bit of Halloween fun. So David is going to rip off different Virginia Tech athletes 
and I'm going to compare them to a horror movie. We couldn't decide whether we wanted to go with like Halloween candy or horror movies or whatever, but uh, we decided that this is going to be the way to go. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big, I'm not a big horror movie guy myself. (laughs) Geo seems, you seem like you're the horror movie aficionado. I mean, I've watched probably too many horror movies. Uh, My, my friends uh, growing up, my friends in high school, uh, they loved watching it. Okay. I hated them. Okay. Um, I would watch them. I would suffer through them for their, uh, for their joy and pleasure, I guess. <laughs> um, so I've seen a handful of them, um, but not probably in like five years. Like, okay. I couldn't tell you the last time I watched like an actual horror movie. Okay. So, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I just, um, especially this time of year, always throw on a horror movie. You know, just just yeah. why not? If you're doing my homework, horror movies on in the background. Yeah, the just the spooky, like the, the week or two leading up to Halloween. Why not? So, yeah. all right, let's get into it. All right. Um, first athlete, we'll go with uh, Malachi Thomas. Malachi Thomas. Interesting. I'm going to go with hmm. Malachi Thomas is like a... Malachi Thomas is like a the Halloween franchise as of late. A lot of new exciting stuff, but at the same time, not enough time on the field. It's like hyped up for a week. The new Halloween comes out, then it fizzles right out. Uh, and then kind of due to injury, it goes away for like, you know, well over a year. And then boom, you're reminded like the week of Halloween that those movies are great. And that's only because unfortunately Malachi Thomas is fantastic as he is because the Halloween movies are my favorite. And he's probably my favorite player to watch on this team. It's just unable to stay on the field a ton as much as we'd love him to uh, due to injuries. How about Georgia Amor? Georgia Amor. Okay. Um, <clears throat> definitely slasher because that's literally her style of play. She's like a slasher facilitator. Um, so I would say... Georgia Amor is Scream. Scream. Mm. That is definitely Georgia Amor. Stealth, um, but with that, like, more current. Like, when Scream came out in the 90s, it was, like, a whole revolution to the slasher genre that was, like, so outdated, so, like, 80s, 70s with, like, Texas Chainsaw, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. And then Scream came along, and Wes Craven directed that, and it was, like, a whole new... Uh, spice to the genre. And I'm going to say Georgia Amor is that. She is Scream, for sure. What about Hunter Couture? Hunter Couture. Nightmare on Elm Street. I think that Hunter Couture, he's fantastic. Love to watch him. A little bit spotty, you know, at times. Not necessarily the most consistent, dependable shooter, but when he gets hot, he is going you know the first and second nightmare were pretty good there were a couple in between just like hunter kind of hits his shooting lull in the middle of the acc schedule before he gets it going again at the end couple in between that were not great you know how or uh nightmare on elm street three four five were like eh, and then they got a little more interesting at the end again and then the reboots were also good so i'm gonna say he's a nightmare on elm street a lot of hype Maybe a little bit overrated coming into this season in the national eye, uh, getting a vote for ACC Player of the Year, but nonetheless, still a legend uh, and, and still one of the best horror movie franchises in in, in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Taiwan Garbit. Taiwan Garbit. I'm going Friday the 13th. He, If Taiwan Garbit is like Jason Voorhees out there getting after the quarterback, uh, just a monster coming off the end, uh, a force to be reckoned with, brute strength, just terrifying on the defensive line so that's Taiwan Garbutt Friday the 13th how about Virginia Tech baseball's Jack Hurley Jack Hurley mm. Jack Hurley is I'm gonna go with uh one of the uh one of the newer type 
franchises, I guess. We'll go with like Paranormal Activity. Okay. Jack Hurley, lot of lot of media attention. Jack Hurley's got a lot of swagger to him. You know, when he hits that field, uh, he plays with a ton of emotion. Um, and you know, guys love watching him play. He can hit with the best of them. Had one of the highest batting averages early on in the season. Uh, actually, led the nation in batting average at one point. So uh, Jack Hurley's just got a lot of got a lot of spunk and uh, swagger to him. Somebody who people won't want to face this year. Emma Lemley in the circle. Emma Lemley. Man, um, Emma Lemley going Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. She will just slice you up you in there. You could probably say that's Keely Rochard, too. Yeah, 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 yes. And I think they're one in the same for this conversation in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, she's kind of supposed to be the second coming of Keely, right? And she added great compliment to Keely's game uh, last year. The Texas Chainsaw um, franchise is a great compliment to the to the great franchises around them, such as Halloween, Friday the 13th, and and everything like that. So I'm going to go Emma Lemley's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She'll slice you up. What about Daquan Wright? Daquan Wright. Mm. Young. Okay. I'm going to say him and Mansoor Delane are, like, exactly the same. Young, exciting, Hyped up as the biggest horror movie that this country has seen uh, in the last 20 years when it came out. It was scary. They've made a couple of reboots. But you're also scared they're not going to be around for that long. Because in this franchise, the actors are already, you know, kind of moving on to different things, bigger and better things. The third installment that we saw might be the last one. Kind of the same thing. People are scared. Daquan Wright and Mansoor Delane might be so good that they might have an opportunity to go elsewhere. Especially probably Delane uh, more than more than uh, Daquan Wright. Um, so I'm going to say that they are the conjuring. The Both conjuring. Mansoor Delane okay. and Daquan Wright. They are the conjuring. Justin Mutz. Justin Mutz. Man, I said coming into this, he was kind of like a Friday the 13th to me. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to switch it up. Justin Mutz, you got to think, he's your emotion. Uh, he is your leader. He is um, everything you look for. He's a fantastic student athlete. He is textbook, right? Textbook, great basketball player, a leader. Fan- so, he's so, a what's good- your, so what's your textbook Halloween horror yeah. movie? So he's a facilitator. That's what I'm going with. He's a facilitator. He paves the way for other guys' on-the-court success, especially with the way he's able to dish the rock. He's psycho. Alfred Hitchcock, old school. That movie came out in like the 40s or 50s, and that was like the first true slasher movie, and it paved the way for everything else. That was like the first true horror movie. Justin Mutz is psycho. What about Elizabeth Kitley? Elizabeth Kitley, man. Elizabeth Kitley's, Elizabeth Kitley's Carrie. Because Carrie is a uh, is a girl that you don't want to mess with, and she'll come back and she'll ruin your evening. And I Caroline? No, no, no. <laughs> Carrie. There's a horror movie franchise called Carrie, oh. and uh, and I think she is Carrie because she's going on a revenge tour this year. I think being hurt in the ACC tournament killed her a little bit, um, and not being able to play against NC State, um, and not being able to play in that amazing second half against UNC. Um, and I think getting knocked out of the NCAA tournament in the first round gave that extra edge on her shoulder. She's coming back with a vengeance to repeat as ACC player of the year. Kitley is carrying. All right. Last one I got for you. All right. Dax Hollifield. Dax Hollifield, man. Can we just put him as any like brute, like uh, Jason, Michael Myers, you know, uh, Texas Chainsaw, Leatherface. Um, Dax Hollifield is probably... Man, what is a horror movie that just like screams? Jack Dax Hollifield is Saw. 
like ruthless, just like in your face, like, boom, going to go hit somebody. Lots of energy. Yeah, lots of energy. Um, And he's got like Saw was like in that time in like the early 2000s where like, you know, people were like listening to like Limp Biscuit and stuff. And like, I don't know what Dax Hollifield listens to, but if I had to think of what Dax is listening to before a game, he's probably listening to like Corn and Limp Biscuit and like hard like rock from like that post grunge era where it was like just intense, like when those Saw movies were coming out. Last one. Okay. Maybe probably the, I would say arguably the best athlete Virginia Tech currently has. Okay. And one of the greatest Virginia Tech athletes of all time. Makai Lewis. Okay. Makai Lewis. <sighs> That's tough. Because now I'm running out of horror movies, and I've seen a lot. Um, Makai Lewis is probably... Man, I don't know if I have a a answer that does it justice as far as, like, he's, he's top. So I said that um, earlier, I said that somebody was, like, the early Halloween franchise. I'm going to say Makai Lewis is, like, that classic uh, when it came out, 1978 Halloween, like, the first one, because Michael Myers was, like, the scariest thing people had ever seen in a movie, um, and... It was the idea of uh, the physicality, the idea of, uh, you know, Makai having a national championship. He's number two in his weight class coming into this season. It's one, it's a, it's something that people are always going to remember. They're always going to remember and they're always going to look back to and depend on. Yes, I agree. They're always going to remember. And when people think Virginia, Michael Myers in a lot of ways is like the face of the franchise of horror movies. When people think Virginia Tech wrestling, they think Makai Lewis. So Makai Lewis is is like Michael Myers in, in Halloween. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed that, honestly. All right, we're going to come back after this. And uh, on a Monday, Halloween Monday, we're going to talk some serious Virginia Tech basketball with David Cunningham. Welcome back here on TSL today. Happy Halloween, everybody. It's a Monday from the Corporate Research Center in Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm Giovanni Heater, joined once again by David Cunningham. We had a little bit of fun, David, talking uh, Virginia Tech athletes compared to horror movies. Let's get uh, back to a serious note here. Let's break down this uh, Virginia Tech basketball schedule coming up on the men's side of things. want to first ask you about the non-conference. Too easy too hard or just right when you compare it to last year, how the non-conference shook out? Some tough losses to teams like Xavier and Dayton, or is this kind of just right? I think it's more of the just right. I think it'll be hard to tell. Like right now, it looks like this is a this is a good non-conference schedule for Virginia Tech. They don't go on the road. Hokies don't go on the road at all in the non-conference schedule. Their first road game is in December against Boston College. Yeah. That's this, their second ACC game of the year. That's the first time they have a true road test. I like that they're going and playing Oklahoma State. I think that'll be a a, a challenging matchup. Yep. The Charleston Classic, I think, will, will give them a, a little bit of a test. Um, and I think Dayton, Day, Day, Dayton coming to Castle Coliseum and Minnesota coming to Castle Coliseum for ACC Big Ten Challenge, those are probably their two biggest tests. I, I think it's good... I'm interested to see how it plays out. I think it might end up being a little too easy, honestly. But you also got to remember, you could have said, looking back on it, you could have said, yeah, Virginia Tech's non-conference schedule last year wasn't challenging enough. And Tech lost some games in that non-conference schedule. Tech could have been better. So I think for this group, it's probably a a just right non-conference schedule because it's a little bit challenging You've got a, a neutral site game in there, a couple, Charleston Classic, 
in Brooklyn against Oklahoma State, but it's nothing too crazy. But you've also got a lot of games at home. That Dayton game, I've got that one marked down. I think it's going to be uh, probably the most challenging game Virginia Tech plays up until that season opener in the ACC against North Carolina. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, David, uh, 11 uh, games in the non-conference uh, this season. In previous years, sometimes it was 12. Obviously, when you add in more ACC games, that's what happens. Do you have this team going 11-0 and in the non-conference, or do you think they drop a dud here or there and it turns out being like a 10-1 and or a 9-2? and I think it would probably be like a 9-2 and if I had to guess. Okay. I mean, uh, God, the Tech team, you know, lost to Xavier Memphis and Dayton last year. Right. Um, in Who the, were all ranked in, at the time. In the non-conference. Yeah, and they were all good teams. All games Tech could have won. Um, but I think they're all games that Tech learned from. And I think that's the most important part is – you know, there are so many new pieces for Mike Young in, in this group that they might not be perfect. And I don't expect them to be perfect. And I don't think they will be. But as long as they learn from it and continue to improve, you know, I think playing Minnesota or Dayton or Oklahoma State or Penn State, those are going to be challenging games. And you need to continue to challenge yourself to get better. And, you know, that experience Virginia Tech had up in Brooklyn last year where they got to play Xavier and Memphis that probably helped them when they had to go back up to Brooklyn and play there, you know, for the ACC championship in, in March. And turns out they ended up winning it. So I think as long as you continue to prepare yourself for it, it, it it's a positive. How do you feel about Virginia Tech? Uh, it's kind of interesting. Across the country, you see Louisville's playing exhibition games. Syracuse plays exhibition games. There's a handful of teams across the landscape of college basketball that open up their season with exhibitions games that don't count on their schedule. Usually they'll play two or three against a, a Division two level opponent uh, just to kind of get their feet wet and, and hit the ground running a little bit before uh, it starts to count. Do you think it's interesting that Virginia Tech does not participate in any exhibition matchups um, and they just get right into things? Well, they, they do play a couple secret scrimmages. Okay. Um, they play, Mike Young even even told the media, uh, they played a couple weekends ago, they played at Liberty, and, right. then, and then they played Richmond at home. So they're, they're, I mean, obviously, you know, those aren't exhibitions where fans can go and watch. Right. Um, you know, I don't think it's weird. Virginia Tech's never really played exhibitions in the past. The one that they did play was for Hurricane Relief. Um, actually, I guess they played two. They played at South Carolina one year for Hurricane Relief, um, and all the proceeds, all the ticket proceeds went to that. And then they played at Liberty once. And both of those were under Buzz Williams. Okay. Um, Mike Young has never really played um, exhibitions before. But, but uh, you know, scrimmages against in-state teams are normal and uh, – so, no, it doesn't surprise me at all. I think, you know, Tech probably got plenty of good stuff from playing Richmond and playing Liberty. You know, those are two two teams. Yes, they're more mid-majors, but, you know, they can they can be very challenging teams in, in across the country this year. Richmond obviously won an NCAA tournament game last year, and Liberty has one of the best shooters in the country. And um, Darius McGee, I think, yeah. is his name. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty challenging um, – you, you don't want to challenge yourself too much, but but you don't want to just, like, glide right into the non-conference. So I think they're doing it the right way. So in the last handful of seasons, uh, the first year that they did this thing um, where they had it where you play an ACC team in your non-conference, basically the early ACC game um, – 
they played Clemson, who was ranked 24th in the country. Uh, that was two years ago. Uh, Virginia Tech won that game 66-60. to That game was played in Castle Coliseum. Then last year, on December 4th, which is the same date as the UNC game this year, it was a Saturday the last year, uh, blown out by Wake Forest. 80-61 uh, to was the final score of that one. This year, you got to play who is coming in as the number one team in the country in North Carolina. Just kind of your opinion on the early ACC game and really pulling the toughest card and getting the hardest team. Would you have liked to see Virginia Tech get some more ACC reps in before having to go against a juggernaut like the Tar Heels? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, I think that the the right answer, right? right? I mean, last year Tech played at Duke in in its second game of the ACC. Um and that was like right before Christmas. I think like right after exams ended. So right, the, December is always tough. You probably always want to play your your most challenging opponents in January or February. Um, I, I guess the now this is the one time Virginia Tech can play North Carolina, right? So this is right. I think if you're Virginia Tech, you're licking your chops that they're coming to Castle Coliseum, and that'll be great. And it's a Sunday, and it'll, it'll be amped. The question is, will you have enough preparation? You know, will you will you be ready enough from all the games you played previously? I think that was kind of the problem with Wake Forest last year, right? It's one thing when you're playing them in the first game of the season like they did with Clemson. Um, it's completely different when you're playing them like 10 games in and you've been playing some really bad non-conference teams and then, okay, you throw in a Memphis or a Xavier, a Maryland. When the Wake Forest comes to town and it's like, Especially because that's the same week as Minnesota game. The AC Big Ten Challenge is the Monday prior. They do get a yeah, like you said, they, so they do get, get a six day rest. They get a they get a break, but I'm curious to see if they're going to be ready enough just from a they're they are ready to go toe to toe with the number one team in the con in, in the country, not to conference. Just to you know, th- this North Carolina team is so good and. I don't know. We're we're gonna see once North Carolina gets what once North, once North Carolina gets going, how good the Tar Heels actually are. But one thing I I, I do like is the the big big time non conference games early, like yeah, I, or or just conference games. Period. Um, it's become more common to see big time conference games. I think this is great. I think Virginia Tech. There's a chance Virginia Tech could be undefeated heading into that game, right? And yeah, and it's a top twenty five Virginia Tech team against. You know, hosting number one North Carolina in Castle Coliseum. Well, that would be fantastic. That that'd be be, be great for us. Give <laughs> yeah. us something to talk about. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Part of me is also like, you know, I, I think teams probably need a little bit more time before they get into the conference schedule. But I do like that, you know, and I think there needs to be more of it. More challenging non-conference games off the bat. That that's a little bit different than this North Carolina game, obviously, because it's the ACC opener. But like, I would love Virginia Tech to open the season against. You know, I would love like the ACC Big Ten Challenge to be like the season opener. Yeah, you open against a Minnesota team, give some excitement too. Yeah, because uh, you know, college basketball doesn't usually have a lot of excitement on opening no. night. Usually, it's. You know, Virginia Tech playing Delaware State. You know right. Virginia Tech's going to win by like 30 points. Only the only the few juggernaut blue blood programs when they throw like Duke, Michigan State Duke, and Duke. Kansas or yeah. Gonzaga Duke. Or, exactly. You know, Michigan State. North Carolina yeah. or whatever. It's, it's just, it's not as common anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to see more of that. But I think, obviously, if you're Virginia Tech, you're probably sitting there going, man, can we play North Carolina at the start of February? Right, right, right. No doubt about it. All right, so when you break down the ACC schedule, 
you know, not terribly hard off the bat after the North Carolina game. You got Boston College. Wake Forest is gonna be is gonna be pretty decent ball club. Um, then you got Clemson, NC State, Syracuse, who's looking like they might have a tougher year. You know, you don't have to play a Duke until the end of January. Um, you don't have to play Virginia until towards the end of January on January 18th. Uh, Notre Dame's not all the way until February. Notre Dame looks like they could be good this year. The first time that you play Miami is January 31st. I mean, everything else, Florida State's not till March. Um, Duke, again, is until the end of February. Everything else kind of shakes out favorably for Virginia Tech as far as you want those best teams towards the end of the season and not have to face them early. I mean, you start out with... Boston College, Wake, Clemson, NC State, Syracuse. I, I think you take that. Yeah, those are five pretty winnable games. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's necessarily a stretch here where Virginia Tech, maybe the very end of the season, um, I, I there aren't too many stretches where you're if you're Virginia Tech, you're looking at yourself going, man, like this is really tough. I mean, Duke, Syracuse, Miami, and Virginia, that, that stretch of four games at the end of January, early February, that's probably that stretch and then – Miami, Duke, Louisville, and Florida State in yeah. you know, four straight. Those are probably the, the, the two main Although stretches. Although Louisville just, just lost an exhibition the, yesterday. The, to, <laughs> to D2 Lenore Ross. Yeah. So, yeah, but but I do think, you know, playing on the road in the ACC is never easy. Um, but the fact that you're starting off with Boston College, Wake Forest, Clemson, NC State, Syracuse, those are five very, very, very winnable games. Now, the problem is in the past, Virginia Tech has kind of slipped up against those guys. Virginia Tech took care of business against Syracuse last year, but did not so against Boston College on the road. True. Uh, against NC State once. Wake. Against Clemson once. Against Wake. Those are all games Virginia Tech lost or split last year. Um, I don't think Virginia Tech won't beat any of those teams outright, I guess, except for Syracuse. So it's not like this is a game where you're going, yep, Virginia Tech's going to win by 15, and that's it. Like, these are games Virginia Tech could could lose, and that's kind of like playing every day in the ACC, right? Yeah. Um, but it could be more difficult. And to your point, I think if you're Virginia Tech, you're going to take it. Like, you you know, you you don't play North Carolina, Duke, back-to-back. Like, last year, um, you know, Virginia Tech was supposed to play at, like, play North Carolina, I believe, coming right off of uh, Christmas break, essentially. And it was supposed to be Duke, Carolina, Christmas break in between, and then the game got moved, canceled and moved due to COVID, and it got pushed to a Monday. Like, that would have been a really challenging stretch. I, I think this is a much more casual... Uh, not, I don't know if casual is the right <laughs> word, but but it's going to... It's not... It, it, you're not playing any of the Blue Bloods. You're not playing a Miami, a Virginia, a Duke, uh, a Florida State, a Notre Dame. I think that is good gets your get, gets the team a chance to get its feet under them which we saw last year Virginia Tech could have had that opportunity and then COVID kind of hit and they were all like shaken up for a while so I, I think this will be a good stretch for them last question here for you before we wrap things up David which teams in the ACC scare you the most out of this list it's it's easy to sit here and say you know the games that are going to be tough are going to be North Carolina of course both Duke games are going to be tough uh, Virginia is probably going to be have a good club so I'd say this out of these teams and I think I have a top answer would probably be Notre Dame, but I'm still going to give you the list. Out of Notre Dame, Virginia, Syracuse, Miami, and Wake Forest, 
Who's scaring you the most? And I'd say probably Notre Dame. I'd probably say Virginia. Okay. I think Notre Dame's probably second most. Did you say Miami on there? Miami's on there. Yep. Mm, Virginia, Miami, and Notre Dame. Isaiah all, Wong coming back. Big. Virginia, Miami, Notre Dame are all going to be really good. Yeah. Um, you know, I think those three teams and then Duke, Carolina, like those are going to be the top, the other five teams Tech's competing with at the top of the ACC. Virginia, though, like that Virginia game. Um, it's fantastic. Virginia Tech plays at Virginia on a Wednesday in January and then gets them at home on a Saturday in February. That Saturday it's game is going rocking. to be electric. Yeah, Just like I'm, last year. It was a Monday night last year, and that was the best yeah, crowd of the I mean, season. Duke on a big Monday, that's going to be great. That road trip to Notre Dame, though, like that is – that's a tough place to go play because it's not like close. Like going no, to UNC, got, Duke, Wake, those are close. Like, yeah, you've got to go to you're, Syracuse, you're gonna, Louisville. You're going to fly to South Bend. It's a, you know, Virginia Tech has had, Mike Young has had Mike Bray's number the past couple years. Virginia Tech plays well against Notre Dame, but that's, it's a one off game. You know, Virginia Tech only plays Notre Dame once every year, usually. So, like, Virginia Tech only got them once in the regular season last year. That sparked the win streak. And it, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. And then you got to play Miami twice, Duke twice, Virginia twice. Syracuse like, twice. Yeah. And I'm interested to kind of see where Syracuse is. But I think... I think I, I could confidently tell you they're not going to be that good. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's and, then, it, and that's but. the thing. Like, I, I don't think... I don't know. Wake Forest is probably going to be around 8th, ninth, 10th. You know, I don't think it's going to be yeah. uh, the team we expected last year. You could throw Clemson in the mix, but who knows what P.J. Hall is going to look like, you know, when he's going to have a chance to come back. Florida State is the other one I, I think you might mention, but the Hokies get him at home on senior night. So... I think it's a favorable schedule all in all. Because, it really is. Because there are games that, you know, there aren't too many tough road environments Virginia Tech has to go to. It's really just Miami, Duke, and Virginia. Maybe Notre Dame. You throw Notre yeah. Dame in the mix. I mean, the Dome's always hard to play at. The yeah, weird Virginia thing about, Tech is not good at Syracuse. The weird thing about the Dome, too, especially for a team that um, keys in on the three-point shot a lot with guys like Hunter Couture and, and so on and so forth, is that people don't realize how hard it is to shoot in the Dome because teams are not used to that spacious um, – the depth perception is so off um, because of how big it is and how far away the stands actually are compared to most arenas, so to speak. So like they say, when teams go to the final four, they like practice, like when the teams get their in venue practices that week, they're like keying in on jump shots. So guys get used to that depth perception. And it's really the same effect in the dome because you're playing in a football stadium and a lot of teams for whatever reason, struggle to shoot the three in the dome including Syracuse sometimes, especially like early in the season. Syracuse always stinks in the dome shooting from three. So just interesting. Yeah. Except Jalen Cohn did not struggle in the dome no. shooting from well, three. Well, then again, I mean, I, I think this is a Virginia Tech team that it'll be tested for sure. I think we saw last year, how long does it take the team to gel? That's the bottom line. It does it yeah. take – does it take the start of the ACC season? You know, you don't play well against North Carolina, maybe, but you come out on all cylinders at Boston College. Like that Boston College game was a game Virginia Tech should have won last year, but playing in an empty Conti Forum, it, no energy. You know, you got you got to bring your own, so that's tough. I, I think they're playing in the ACC is never easy. Virginia Tech though has a 
it, it's a schedule that that Mike Young I think will take and say, you know, we can we can we, pull, can, we can work with we'll this. We'll work with this. I think it's especially tough to get these guys to gel too when you got four transfers. Yeah, and probably at least two of which are going to see minutes on the court significantly. Like it's hard to get those guys to be put into a system that was you know won an ACC championship in a tournament last year. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then you got Sean running the point, and then you know when he's healthy again, where does Rodney Rice fit in? And yeah, I mean that's I mean every team faces that challenge every year, but it it doesn't start overnight. Yeah, you know. So, all right, your final thoughts before we wrap things nah, up. I mean, I think I think Virginia Tech is going to have. I'm excited for the season opener. I think Virginia Tech is going to have a good year. Um, the women's side too. I oh think, my I think, gosh, I think they're going to. That's going to get its own show. Yeah, that'll have its own. They're episode. gonna they're gonna be so fun to watch. I cannot. I'm I'm honestly like. Um, obviously Virginia Tech men's basketball has a bigger following. I think I might be more excited for women's basketball this year just because of how good they can be. They're going to be really good. No doubt about it. All right, he's David Cunningham. I'm Giovanni Heater. We had Jack Brizendine on earlier. Thanks so much to Kyle Marshak behind the scenes producing for us today. This was TSL Today. Have a happy Halloween. Be safe out there tonight. We'll see you again on Wednesday.